Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the So Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins, B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDP show at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code IDP show at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition for week seven. Hope everyone's having a good week. Hope that your week six went well and that your cornerback streams were everything you hoped for and then some. All right, let's get into it. We'll get you all set here for week seven. Let's start with a little transparency, though, for week six. So last week, I had 57 adjusted calls total. So that was 64 before seven injured and inactive players. I had 75% accuracy for week six. 53% of all correct calls last week were massive hits. So they either doubled, tripled, quadrupled, or more their projections. So we're looking real good there. Overall numbers for the season still continue to look very good. 80% accuracy on the season so far with 47% of all correct calls being a massive hit. This is really good stuff. You know, the previous four years of doing this, if I could beat 72%, I thought I was looking pretty good. So we are off to a stellar, stellar start to this season. 
let's keep it going. So let's look at a little bit more transparency for last week of the guys that I recommended as cornerbacks one or two. Carlton Davis met his projection. Devin Witherspoon doubled his projection. Kenny Moore doubled his projection. Stefan Gilmore doubled his projection. Asante Samuel Jr. went right past his projection. DJ Reed was inactive again. Hopefully we get him back this week. That concussion's really knocked him out pretty good. Jerry Jacobs was under his projection, so one wrong there. Marco Wilson went past his projection, looking good there. Moving on to the dart throws, Tyreek Stevenson doubled his projection. Tariq Woolen met his projection. Cam Taylor Britt tripled his projection. Nate Hobbs was inactive again. Deron Bland went right past his projection, and Miles Bryant was under projection. So last week, audio edition, transparency, 11 correct, 2 wrong, 2 injured or inactive, 5 of 11 total correct were massive hits. So looking real good transparency-wise on the audio side. And then obviously we talked about the written transparency before that. So pretty good week overall. Let's turn the page. Let's get to week seven here. Let's start with the best matchups for week seven. And just a quick note here. So some of the team rankings and statistics I'm using are going to be off by a week because I'm writing this thing so early in the week. Some of these stats don't update until about midweek or so. So it gives us a picture, but not necessarily the most accurate picture because there's a week of games that aren't in there yet. But it is what it is. I, I have to do it this way to get it out at or before waivers run, so you guys have a good opportunity to get these corners before your league mates do, and that is the trade-off. You know, not everything's going to be perfect when time is not on our side. So just a quick note there. All right, best matchups week seven. Let's start with a couple of the obvious ones. Chargers at Chiefs. So this has got a 52-point over-under, which implies a shootout. The Chiefs are currently the seventh best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the fourth most in the league. And I'm actually starting to believe this. I thought that this was uh, smoke and mirrors and, and BS for the first few weeks of the season. But the more we see it, the more it appears to be real. Especially the rookie there, Rasheed Rice, they, they do really seem to be targeting their wide receivers this season. So that appears legit. The Chargers are the sixth best passing attack in the league. They only target their wide receivers 21st most in the league, though. I believe this is like the Mike Williams effect, for lack of a better word or term. So the first couple of weeks of the season when Williams was healthy, this was not an issue. The Chargers were within the top 10 for wide receiver targets. They were peppering Keenan Allen and Mike Williams with tons of targets every week, and we were looking good. Since Mike Williams has went down, they've had trouble finding a second wide receiver that they can really trust. Quentin Johnson has just been horrendous. A uh, total waste of a draft pick so far, so that's not been great. You know, so they're still working on that wide receiver, too. So that that ranking has been falling. That is true. That is accurate. So just something to think about there. But I, I think that the 52 point over under the divisional matchup, the Chargers coming off a loss and really needing a win overpowers all that. I think we'll get enough offense that both cornerback cores will be able to eat and eat good this week. It is outdoors in Kansas City, so watch for weather, but I think we're going to be okay. I think we'll get some offensive fireworks. And there are six teams on by this week, so it ain't like we got much choice. Uh, it is what it is. We'll take it. The other one that looks really good is Dolphins at Eagles. Also an outdoor game, also a possible weather game, so keep an eye on that. But 
Right now, we've got a 53.5 over under, which is the highest of the week. It is definitely an implied shootout. The Dolphins are the best overall passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers, 15th most in the league, which is okay, not great. But once again, I think this will be enough of a back-and-forth affair that they'll have to target their wide receivers. Both of these teams have excellent run games. I don't think we're going to see much of either, to be honest with you. We're, we're not going to be getting no 150 yards, three touchdown Raheem Mostert day. You know, I don't think we're getting that this week, not with these two teams. These guys are going to have to throw to stay with each other. Two very good offenses here, so I think we're okay there. The Eagles are the 10th best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the 11th most overall, so we're looking real good there. And yeah, I actually wrote this in the notes. Both teams will likely have to put their running offense silliness away this week. I, I just feel like that's how it's going to be. You know, I could be wrong. We could get a defensive struggle and a real stinker, but it feels like a shootout. And once again, we have limited options this week, so it is what it is. We go with what's in front of us. We've also got a lot of one half of a good matchup type deals this week. So I like the Ravens side of Lions at Ravens. I like the Patriots side of Patriots Bills. I like the Steelers side of Steelers Rams. The Rams have quietly been a top 10 passing offense and top 10 in regards to wide receiver targets this season. And that snuck up on me out of left field. Uh, another one that did Washington Commanders, 12th overall passing attack and top 10 for wide receiver targets. Did not see that coming. So, you know, now that we've got some real data, we've got about six weeks worth of data. We're starting to actually see what these teams and these offenses look like this season, and we can adjust accordingly. So I am adjusting accordingly. I like the Steelers corners this week, and then obviously the Ravens and the Patriots as well, plus those first two matchups I mentioned. Some of the worst matchups this week include Raiders at Bears, and this is mostly due to quarterback injuries. We could be looking at two backups. We've got at least one. Justin Fields is definitely not playing this week. So Vegas thinks so. Vegas had this at a 46.5 over under on Sunday night. And then when all the injury news came down, it dropped eight points to 38.5. That is a massive, massive drop in the over under point total. Vegas absolutely adjusted to this thing in real time so that they don't lose money. And that's why we look at stuff like this, because that's their, you know, that's why they do this is to not lose money. And they put tons of resources behind it, you know, supercomputers and the smartest analysts on the planet and stuff like that. Uh, Vegas is just, you know, if they say something, you got to believe it because they know what they're doing. Uh, so they think this is going to be a stinker and a lower scoring affair in a bit of a defensive struggle between two backup quarterbacks. And who am I to argue? Plus, it's outdoors, and it's in Chicago, which is the Windy City. But um, So, you know, not great. I'm avoiding Raiders at Bears. If Nate Hobbs is somehow healthy for this one, I'd consider him. But it's, you know, not even a slam dunk for him, really. It's not a good setup, so I'm staying away from that one in general. Also, Browns versus Colts. This could end up being okay. Early indications are that Deshaun Watson has a shot to play this week. If he does, I think we're looking okay. What bothers me a little bit, though, not the weather or anything. It's indoors in Indianapolis, so we're looking good there. But this Browns defense, which was the first overall defense going into that game against the 49ers, I haven't seen the ranking since then, but I would guess it hasn't moved that much. They, they kicked the crap out of the 49ers, defensively at least. 
you know, this is a really good Browns defense and Gardner Minshew may be running for his life in this one. So that may not be good. Plus, if we get a backup quarterback for the Browns, that's not going to help our Colts in regards to cornerback streaming either. So this one is not necessarily a like bad matchup automatically, but things could turn to make it a bad matchup if we get, you know, the second backup quarterback here in the Browns defense shows up and slows down Minshew. Minshew did have 27 completions last week, which was really good, but I just don't know if he's going to get that again against this Browns defense. So just something to think about. Cornerback ones and twos that I think are likely this week include the following. Marlon Humphrey. This will be his third week back healthy after a multi-week injury to start the season. He is climbing back up to 100% of snaps, which is what he always plays when he's healthy. He played 82% last week and about 50% or so the week before. He is up against the ninth best passing attack in the league that targets their wide receivers 22nd most overall. That's not a great wide receiver target ranking, but who cares? Marlon Humphrey is going to be on Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's going to get a ton of targets. And Marlon Humphrey is spectacular to begin with. So I think he is a slam dunk this week. I also like, obviously, Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed against the Chargers. Chargers, as mentioned previously, sixth best passing attack in the league. They have fallen to 21st in regards to wide receiver targets. We talked about that. But there, there should be enough offense here for McDuffie and Steed both to eat. That 52-point over underline implies that there will be plenty of offense for those guys to eat from, and I think they're both looking good. Another guy that I think could be a cornerback one or two this week is Cater Kohu. So Miami corner up against the Eagles. The Eagles are the 10th best passing attack in the league. They are middle middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but Kohu is going to be on either Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown, likely A.J. Brown. So he's going to be fine. He's going to get targeted tons of times anyway, so he'll be in a good situation for this week. So those are the guys that I think are the most likely slam dunks this week. Some good dart throws for this week, and Lord knows we're going to need them with six teams on by. I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff this week. It's, it's smoke and mirrors to try and get a win. But my first favorite dart throw this week is Marshawn Lattimore. Not that you would ever call him a dart throw, but it is what it is. We, we cater to leagues of all different sizes here on this program. So Marshawn Lattimore is going up against Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is averaging about 24 completions per game. Obviously, if Lawrence can't go and it's a backup quarterback, then abandon ship on this. Forget I said anything. But assuming we get Trevor Lawrence, this is the 12th best passing attack in the league, Jacksonville's passing attack. They are the ninth best in terms of wide receiver targets. And as mentioned previously, Trevor Lawrence has a really good completion for it, about 24 per game. And they've been heating up. Their offense in general has been looking much better the last three weeks. So I think both Marshawn Lattimore and Elante Taylor are in a good spot this week to produce. Paulson and Debo will, you know, definitely be playing enough. He actually plays the most out of all three of these guys to be in a good spot as well. He is just not even close to the most productive or consistent or reliable when compared to Lattimore or Elante Taylor. So that's why I don't mention him. Uh, but yep, those two are in a good spot this week, I think. Also in a good spot, definitely a little bit risky, but that's the name of the game this week, is J.C. Jackson of the Patriots. He's only been back in a Patriots uniform for like two weeks. You know, he played like about half the snaps the first week he was here, 
and he jumped up to 96% of snaps last week. That is the most of any Patriots cornerback. He went right past Jonathan Jones. He went right past Miles Bryant. It's kind of crazy to see. And on the one hand, this could be your typical Patriots IDP shenanigans where they just did it for one week because they saw something on tape that made sense for J.C. Jackson to play the most of any corner. That's something we've seen out of the Patriots many times in the past. On the other hand, this could be the new normal. And if this is the new normal, this is the best cornerback option on the Patriots up against the Bills, which are the fourth best overall passing attack in the league and target their wide receivers, the 10th most in the league. So, you know, if that's the case, J.C. Jackson is in a spectacular situation to produce this week. So a little risky, but definitely a dart throw, you know, hence the name. Another dart throw I like this week, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson up against the Rams. The Rams are currently the fifth best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the second most in the league, which is pretty cool. I had no idea. I mean, you know, it was it was trending that way with the insane amount of targets to Puka Nuka and Cooper Cup, but Here's where we sit. So yeah, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson are both in an excellent position to produce this week, being responsible for those two right wide receivers I just talked about. It is a little bit of a lower line with 42.5, but I think we'll be okay. I think that we've seen enough targets to Nuka and Cooper over the last couple of weeks that Wallace and Peterson should be able to eat as cornerbacks this week and be a-okay, especially as dart throws. All right, another few dart throws I like this week include Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. up against the Chiefs. So as mentioned previously, the Chiefs are the seventh best passing attack. They target their wide receivers the fourth most in the league. We've got a huge line with 52 points here. Davis and Samuel have both been very productive all season. They both play 100% of snaps. It's about as good a setup as you can find this week, you know, with it with everyone injured. With, with everyone on by, things are just an absolute mess. And these two guys are two good options, all things considered. So I like them both quite a bit this week. I also like James Bradbury as a dart throw, if we ever want to call him that. So obviously Miami is the best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers 12th most in the league. So Bradbury is going to be on either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. So either way, he should see quite a few targets. I don't think Miami is going to be able to run the ball as much as they want to. They could be in some negative game script at some point. So both Bradbury and Slay, also a dart throw, are in a good position this week to at least match and likely surpass their projections. I like those two quite a bit. All right, and I also like Chavarius Ward and Diamador Lenoir as my final two dart throws of the week. So they are going up against the Vikings, who prior to the Justin Jefferson injury, were just a spectacular passing attack that was averaging over 30 completions per game, was first in the league, was first in the league for wide receiver targets. Things have fallen off a bit without Justin Jefferson, as to be expected. So right now they're the third best passing attack in the league. They still are first in wide receiver targets. It does feel like a bit of smoke and mirrors. Kirk Cousin did complete 21 passes last week without Justin Jefferson. So there's still a floor there. And Ward and Lenoir will both play 100% of snaps. We have to assume that the 49ers, after losing a game last week, are just going to come out all cylinders firing and go up big on the Vikings pretty much immediately and force them into a negative game script. 
And when that happens, they'll abandon their already crappy run game and be forced to throw early and often and all game long. And that'll put both Javarius Ward and Diamador Lenoir in a good position to have a good day. So I like those guys quite a bit as Dart throws for week seven here. All right, let's move on to some bad ideas that seem good this week. So Darius Williams, Jaguars, has been red hot, especially the last month or so, right? I'm not arguing against that. He's a good option. He remains a good option. He plays 100% of snaps a week. He's had a great career as an IDP streaming cornerback option. I love Darius Williams. I loved him when he was a Ram. I love him now. I will always love Darius Williams. But expecting this to continue is not reality. And expecting it to continue against Derek Carr, who is under 20 completed passes per game, is kind of crazy. We need to take the 30,000-foot view on this. This is an outlier. This little streak he's on is an outlier. It is not going to continue all season. He's still a good bet to at least meet his projection this week, but the massive weeks aren't going to go on forever. This is not Antoine Winfield Sr., and if you understand that reference, you've been playing IDP as long as I have. It's not going to happen. So it's going to come crashing back to earth at some point, and my bet would be this week against the Saints because they are, you know, not a great passing attack, which is crazy because they have three incredible wide receivers, a pretty good couple of tight ends, you know, an excellent running back. They've got all the pieces. They just can't make it work. So, you know, I feel like this is the week he comes crashing back down to earth. You know, it'll, he'll probably still hit his projection, but the, the weeks that have been powered by interception return touchdowns and interceptions and, and crazy box scores have to come to an end at some point. So just buyer beware. It's coming, it's coming probably sooner rather than later. Speaking of this exact same scenario, Jerry Jacobs. So Jerry Jacobs did come crashing back down to earth last week. Prior to that, he was red hot for about a month or so. I don't expect him to get back to being red hot this week anyway against the Ravens, which are the 26th worst passing attack in the league and only target their wide receivers 27th most in the league. Lamar is just barely at 20 completed passes per game. So this is not the ideal situation to get Jerry Jacobs back on track. Just keep that in mind because the sites have not adjusted to this reality yet. They still have his projection, you know, bloated and dangerous like my lower intestines after Taco Bell. It, you know, they don't know what's coming, but we do. It is not a good setup for him. He still may be okay. That is the world of cornerback streaming. I can't predict if he's going to jump a route and return an interception to the house. But the setup is not good. The setup is not ideal. On paper, it doesn't look like he's going to have a good week. So just keep that in mind. All righty. And then we'll get out of here with some miscellaneous notes, starting with uh, Juju Brents. So I mentioned him last week, last couple weeks. I've mentioned him in the article for about a month now. So this guy is the real deal. He more than quadrupled his projection this week. He doubled it the week prior. He tripled it the week before that, and he doubled it the week before that. So Juju Brents has taken over as the second full-time cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. Daryl Baker Jr. is gone. Dallas Flowers is gone. Juju Brents remains. So the rookie has already got some factors going in his favor. He's got the rookie cornerback rule. For those of you that are unfamiliar with that, it is an IDP, you know, could, could be a myth, could be a wives' tale, but a lot of people believe in it. 
that opposing quarterbacks, opposing offenses tend to target rookie cornerbacks because they're rookies. They don't know what they're doing. They, they've been here for a cup of coffee. You know, if you're going to throw against a veteran or a rookie, which one makes more sense to you, right? So that's the rookie cornerback rule. And it's, it's been apparent with Juju Brents for the last month or so that that is in effect at the moment. Plus, he's also got the lesser of two evils effect is what I like to call this. So with Kenny Moore on the other side, if you're the quarterback, who are you going to throw at? Kenny Moore, pro bowler, been in the league for, you know, coming up on a decade, you know, perennially one of the best IDP cornerback options on the planet season after season. Or Juju Brents, who's been here for like six games. I know who I would throw at. So, you know, we're seeing that plus the rookie cornerback rule maybe result in some of this production. On top of that, half of all this guy, half of all the games this guy plays are in a dome, which that doesn't seem like a huge deal, but I think it is. And, and I've seen it in uh, cornerback streaming over the years. Taking weather out of the equation helps the passing game immensely like huge, huge amount. So that's great. Half of all his games are going to be indoors automatically every season. That helps him as a dynasty asset, and it helps us for the rest of the season. So last call on Juju Brents. The train is leaving the station. Grab him now before your league mates do, because, you know, a month of incredible production is going to get their attention at some point. So just throwing that out there. All righty, another few notes here. So Kyler Gordon, Chicago Bears corner, who had a spectacular season last year, is back from IR. He only played 61% of snaps last week, but that is going to go up. Uh, he's typically around 90 or 100% of snaps every week. He is a great option, and he's coming back right when we need him, right when all the bye weeks are kicking in, right when all the injuries are just getting really, really bad. So Kyler Gordon. Another guy you can pick up off waivers, not necessarily for this week. We talked about the Raiders' issues with quarterback play this week. But going forward, Kyler Gordon is going to be an option and a very good one at that. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I just want to reiterate the new normal in uh, New England for the Patriots as of last week is J.C. Jackson with the most snaps at corner, 96% last week. Then Jonathan Jones, who was around 80-ish percent. And then Miles Bryant, who was down around 65, 70% last week. So Miles Bryant went from a really good option, the only sole survivor of this cornerback core, to the worst option in one week. Welcome to New England Patriots IDP. This is how it's been since I can remember. It's always a mess. So it is what it is. We'll, we'll see if that moves. But right now, JC Jackson is the most valuable option for IDP cornerbacks for the Patriots. Joey Porter is slowly gaining snaps over Chandon Sullivan in Pittsburgh. It's only a matter of time before he overtakes him and is the third cornerback in Pittsburgh. Right now, it's not enough to start him. It's only like 40-ish percent of snaps. But I think within the next few weeks or so, definitely by the end of the season when fantasy playoffs are all around, Joey Porter will be close to, if not a full-time cornerback in Pittsburgh. So if you've got dynasty shares of him, they are starting to look good. And redraft-wise, I'll, I'll give it a shout when it's time to pick them up. Last couple notes here. So the Seahawks are still a bit of a mess at corner, although things have smoothed out at cornerback one and two. We have clear options with Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen both playing 100% of snaps. Both are very good options. At third corner, though, we've got a huge mess. In the last month, it's been Trey Brown, Michael Jackson, and Kobe Bryant. 
different variations of each. So we cannot trust the third cornerback slot for the Seahawks right now. That entire position is a sit until further notice. Uh, we'll figure it out when it settles down. Uh, and then the last uh, miscellaneous note here for this week is Jalen Ramsey could return to practice by the time this podcast publishes. It could happen anytime this week. And when he does, <clears throat> excuse me, when he does, his 21-day IR window would open up at that point, and he would return to the team sometime within those next three weeks. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a ton of Jalen Ramsey just sitting in an IR slot on all these different teams, just waiting for him to come back so I can plug in one of the best IDP cornerback options on the planet as we head towards the midway part of the season and then eventually fantasy playoffs. It is a heck heck of a reinforcement to get at this point of the year. So just throwing that out there. If you've got an empty IR slot, maybe add him, throw him in there, have him just sit there, and we'll be able to use him within at least the next month. So that is good news. That pretty much does it for us for this week. Before we get out of here, just want to reiterate one more time that if you are in the Hollywood, California area, make sure you check out the Touchdown Hoedown every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is at the Desert 5 spot, which is at 6516 Selma Avenue in Hollywood, California. Contact at Lamont562, that's at L-A-M-0-N-T-562 on Twitter for details. It is the Touchdown Hoedown, which is sounds like it's pretty cool from everything I've heard. I wish I lived in California. The weather is much nicer. But apparently it is a mix of, you know, drinks and food and, and watching the games and also a bunch of fantasy football degenerates coming together to, you know, talk fantasy football, you know, and, and that is facilitated by Lamont, who is a huge fantasy football degenerate, you know, is in all the crazy leagues. So I know it's a good time. Please check that out. That does it for us for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you all have a good week seven. Hope all your streams work out. Please hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions at orangeman3142. Good luck this week, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>